When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. Man, what what a stretch it has been. Tariel's making it, of course, all the way to the national championship game. Had a 15-point lead at halftime, but the first 10 minutes of the second half, it melted away. Back and forth game after that. Kansas ends up getting the win, 72-69. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about all-time Tar Heel victory on Saturday against Duke. We'll look back at the season in total. Adam, it has been as memorable a run for Carolina basketball as I can as I can think back on here over the last couple of weeks. A team that has connected with Carolina fans. And I want to talk about that in a second before we get to the games. But it, it's just been, to use our Jim uh, Jim Nance voice, a heck of a ride for the Tar Heels. I was thinking about when we were sitting in here doing the emergency pod after the win at Cameron. Yep. And I remember thinking that night, like, whatever else happens the rest of this year, this has been great. What a what a great punctuation mark to this season we just experienced. And it turned out that that was only the start. I mean. I had absolutely no idea that what was coming was about to come. And it turned into, I mean, 
Has there been a, a better month of Carolina basketball? It's hard. It would be hard to think of one. I mean, in my opinion, you're talking about two all-time wins for Carolina, the win in Cameron and then the win against Duke in the semifinals. You have an all-time tournament win in the victory against Baylor. And that's like shoving aside the win against UCLA, which I thought was an incredibly high-level game that in most years you would go, man, gosh, what a what a win that was. So you just had these these moments and and I'll I think Adam we talked about this during the covid year. I think interest in college basketball, interest in Carolina basketball, just everything was waning. And it was because of and it wasn't it, it was because of the circumstances. And we talked about leaning into this year how tenuous a spot it was going to be because you've got a new head coach. You're coming off this year where people were able to lose connection with the team, which I think is so important and particularly in college athletics and with Carolina, that, that individual connection I do think is important. And this is, says nothing about Carolina. It's more about just the situation that was around for everybody. Although, on top of that, the Tar Heels had had two years that weren't very good. And it's overstating it to be like, oh, this run saved the Tar That That's not what it's about. But I do think what it did do is it rekindled this connection with the program and the fans. And, and we said this before we got started. I have talked to so many Tar Heel fans, and I'm guessing you have too, Everybody's disappointed with the way the Kansas game ended because it's hard to get there, and, and the Tar Heels were right there, and they, they were so close to being able to do something that is just hard to do. And yet, I think so many fans, more than ever, are just so excited by the run and proud of the team and kind of fell back in love with the Tar Heels a little bit because of what they were able to do. And who knows what happens moving forward, but I, I – I think that's a really important thing that happened over the last month for Carolina basketball. It's like the old Wes Miller thing about like he might have gotten the most out of his capacity of anyone right. ever. I th- I don't this team got the absolute most out of what it could potentially be as any Carolina team I can think of. And it's the all-time exhibit A of when people get all grumpy in mid to late January of let's hold off on deciding exactly how we feel about this team until it's all done. Because if we had all decided how we felt about this team in late January, our feelings would have been very different than they are right now when people want to put banners up for the starting five. Have you ever seen a team likability rating go up steeper than this team's no but I I think part of it is like the team had something for everybody like you had your you had your old rough character in Brady Manic <laughs> who like you just love watching him walk through the lobby and but he's also secretly kind of funny you had your underrated guy who if you appreciate the little things you just love leaky black 
unless you're Pat Forty and then you don't understand why he starts, then you compare him to Scott Cherry. <laughs> but yet you are still somehow a national columnist. You've got your swagger guy who, if you're a guy who just wants every – you respect the guy who will take every big shot, then Caleb loves your guy. And if you just like the guy who's having the best season of his life and of many Carolina lives, you like Armando Baycott. And if you like that tough little nut, here's R.J. Davis. Yeah, it's It's got – no matter what you like, it's got something for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and a great time to do it when all these guys can capitalize on that. Right. I think it's great for them. And to that point, Adam, it would be ignorant of us to not mention Hubert Davis. It's just, I mean, there. I think legitimately there were questions going into the year and throughout the year of, of man, you know, and – not because of something Hubert Davis did, just because, again, of the circumstances. A first-year head coach. Now, there's I don't think there's any questions. Everybody's going, oh, I'm just so excited to see what Coach Davis is going to do in the future. What a, what a validating run for him as the head coach. And it, it's not going to work like that every year. Of course it's not. But I do think there's something to be said for as he is able to fill the roster with more of his guys. I think they will be more prone to to respond to the way he wants to coach them because that's why you recruit your guys because you think they'll connect with you and you'll connect with them. And I think these last two months, last month especially, have made Carolina an attractive place to be again. And if you're a guy who's only got one year to play and you want to maximize that one year, how do you not look at Brady Manick and go, well, I could do that. Right. And I also think, and we talked about this a little bit in New Orleans, I wonder if it's not a little bit of a turning point in Carolina's cool again. Because you've got a coach people want to play for, playing a way that people want to play, who looks like they're really having fun, at a place where there is now photographic and tangible evidence that the people will support you to the ends of the world. I mean, Adam, the crowd that was in the, at the Smith Center to welcome the team back after they got back from New Orleans, incredible crowd. Yeah. I mean, it, Carolina basketball means something to Carolina people, and I understand we're in an era where that doesn't seal the deal on every recruit. You you need some other things as well. But if you're somebody that matters to and you want to go to a place where when you walk across campus on a Tuesday in the middle of February and people are giving you high fives and calling out your name, then I, I just don't see why you'd go many other places. I'm tired. You tired? Yes. It was a draining Mentally and physically and emotionally a draining, in a good way. I mean, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. Just it, it was one that took all you had. I told somebody on Tuesday, it kind of reminds me of after you have a kid and you don't realize how tired you are right? until you finally get maybe like that one hour where you just kind of sit down and you're like, wow, I haven't slept a lot. And there's been a lot of emotions going into this. I I honestly am completely amazed 
that the team was able to get back to the peak they got to on Monday night after Saturday because I could I couldn't have done it. Mm-mm. Let's talk about let's talk about the championship game first, then we'll look back at Saturday. Um, and a couple of things. Let, let me also just kind of set the schedule for you. So we're not gonna have a guest today, and we're not gonna have a guest on Friday. We're just going to talk about games and season today. And then on Friday, and Adam, it's been incredible how many awesome stories we have received from Carolina fans, carolinainsiderpod at gmail.com, carolinainsiderpod at gmail.com if you want to send some in. But I got to tell you, that that bucket's pretty full. Um, But we have gotten so many great stories, funny, emotional of what this team meant to people, of kind of some wacky circumstances of how they watch the games, just all kinds of stuff. And so on Friday, we're going to focus, the entire show is going to be that. It's going to be your stories from this run of, again, maybe something poignant happened, maybe something funny happened, maybe you were in a crazy situation and you had to get updates in some weird way. Whatever it is, we've gotten all kinds of stories that we will uh, that we'll talk about on Friday. So no guest on Friday, but you you guys will be the guest. If you know Hunter Oakley, <laughs> he tweeted at us. Was that, he serious? I couldn't tell if he was serious. Well, I think he that, was. That's him in the picture. He said he wants to send us the story of how he photobombed <laughs> Coach K. It's Coach K's final moments. He uh, Hunter Oakley is shirtless and yeah. he is very happy. Hunter, we need that story before Thursday morning. So we we would love to hear it, uh, but but we don't have it as of now. Um. So that's going to be Friday, which that's not going to be a short pod. No, yeah. So block off some time for the weekend on Friday. Couple of and so that that's the deal. And then next week we'll get into we'll try to gather our thoughts of course there's the spring game this weekend from Tar Heel football side of things we do have some guests that we've had for a while that have been recorded so we need to get those to you um so we'll try and next week kind of reset and get back to reality here um of course through the spring and the summer we don't pod as frequently we'll still be with you relatively regularly in April and May and then as you know it becomes pretty infrequent in June July and then we get back into things in August um, we'll try to have some special episodes, some fun episodes. Adam and I have been kicking the can around here recently, trying to figure out some fun things to do, um, and have some, some cool episodes coming up here in the near future. Also, Tariel's made it really easy to do game rewatches. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some fun ones that we could rewatch in the immediate aftermath. Um, so no interview today, but as always, when we do have interviews, they're brought to you by the independent insurance agents of North Carolina. And texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds at highway speeds. That's like driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. And the trusted choice independent insurance agents of North Carolina want you to stay safe behind the wheel. Put down your phone while driving. Let's have a hands-free NC. To learn more, find an agent near you. Visit trustedchoice.com slash goheels. That website again, trustedchoice.com slash goheels. Also, our coverage in New Orleans that was radio. That was, I hope you saw some of the little video vignettes that Adam and I did. Big shout out to Gary Pachesny and Ken Cleary for helping get those recorded and put together and out the door while we were in New Orleans. And 
so those our big preview podcast and kind of our wrap-up podcast today and Friday, plus all of our radio coverage on uh, Saturday and Monday, all of it presented by our great friends at Cookout. Fresh burgers, barbecue, hot dogs, milkshakes. Cookout joins us all in saying, go Tar Heels. Well, I'd love a cookout. We should have saved one of those 10 shakes that we had. You had to be nice and give them all away. We could have just squirreled them away up there in the freezer. They'd still be good. Yeah. Although I will say, might need to go on a diet here. <laughs> might need to get back to exercising and trying to have a little better diet here over April and May. 2.30 last night, I was like, well, it's dinner time. This is what time I normally eat a meal. Well, I got to tell you, the timing does get all messed up. It does get all messed up. I mean, was I eating after the championship game? Did I eat five pieces of pizza and some fried chicken? Yes, I did <laughs> at like two in the morning. <laughs> Look, Adam's coughing. Well, and you just lose all sense of normalcy. That's like, true. Like after the, I don't even, I think it was the Duke game. Oh, here's some pizza boxes. They have a whole pizza. I will take this whole pizza. <laughs> I feel like I have earned this. My defenses are down as to what's smart and what isn't. <laughs> I am going to take this whole box of pizza. And then when I get back to the hotel, oh, there's food in the team room. Well, I don't want that to go to waste. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're nice enough to suggest I could have some. Well, I guess I better do that. Plus, everyone's so jolly. I don't want to let these people down. Brady Manick seems very excited. I'm going to break bread with Brady. Okay, we got, we'll get to Duke in just a sec, because I'm going to tell you all, I mean, a, a haze of craziness, the Duke game. But I guess we need to start with the national championship game. Adam, never has halftime hurt a team more than it did the Tar Heels. I, Carolina closed the first half on an 18-3 run, and I'm telling you, you shoot, you were there. We were sitting next to each other. If that first half hadn't ended, that could have been a 58-3 run. I mean, Carolina was dominating the game. And full credit to Kansas. They they recovered, and then they dominated the first 10 minutes of the second half, primarily in the sense that they kept Carolina off the glass. And, and two things. The Tar Heels were obviously shooting very poorly in this game. I thought Carolina missed some shots that it would traditionally make. And Kansas is an excellent defensive team and, and challenged some some shots, made Carolina take difficult shots. What allowed Carolina out to that big lead and kept them in the game was the absolute domination on the boards. I mean, 55 to 35 rebounding, 24 offensive rebounds. You had six by Baycott, six offensive rebounds by R.J. Davis, five by Brady Manick, 28 second chance points for Carolina. Clearly the, the dominant stat that allowed the Tar Heels to be in this game. Kansas did a great job in those first 10 minutes of keeping Carolina away from the offensive glass. There were so many one-and-done possessions for Carolina, and there were some turnovers in there. Mix that in with the fact that the Tar Heels just could not, they couldn't get a stop. And it was because a lot of it was Kansas aggressively going to the rim. Um, they found some matchups that were beneficial for them one-on-one. They got out and ran, and it was difficult for Carolina to get back some. And all of that, Adam, just mixed into Kansas getting back in the game. Now, I do think credit to Carolina. Carolina couldn't have gotten the doors blown off, I think, in the second half. The Tar Heels got it back together, 
and the final 10 minutes were, were back and forth. And it, it, it got to the final minutes. Tariels had the lead. Couldn't get it. They got a stop, but couldn't get the rebound on a key possession. Kansas eventually scored. Then Baycott's got that drive down the right side of the lane with about 45 to 60 seconds left where it looks like he has a good angle to lay it up and give Carolina the lead, and his ankle just rolls. And, I mean, that's just, what are you going to do about that? And so, um, Kansas is really, really good. Carolina was playing as as well as any team in the country. And they went down to the wire, and unfortunately, Kansas made a couple plays and the Tar Heels didn't. It hurts, but I, I don't think it's something where you, you, you don't – hold your head down and leave and think, oh, what an awful loss. It just two good teams that it went down to the wire and Kansas got the win. I don't know that people really understand how narrow three points is. I mean, I think it feels worse than it was because of the way the first 10 minutes went which of the second half, which I thought really was the only time on Monday night that Carolina looked weary. Kansas came we could see it like Kansas as soon as they got that alley-oop to start the second half it was like mm. yes and, and they looked like they were ready to bite your face off and Carolina looked like they were staggered and it took them a while to to get it back together but I mean this is how close three points is you remember Remy Martin banked in that three in the right. first half yeah they won the game by three points it, you practice 104 times in a season and you lose the game by a banked-in three-pointer, which probably also gave him the confidence to be as big as he was in the second half when he stopped banking them in and yeah. started swishing oh, them. He hit some huge shots, yeah. And, and it's nuts that it all comes down to that, but it does. And everybody's seen the video of the floor doing that, and I don't know if floors are supposed to do that. I'm not a floor expert. <laughs> I do. I saw that the floor company said that their floor was not to blame, which if I was the floor company, that's what I would say too. I'm not sure that's an independent analysis. Right. But it's just the fluky thing that happens. And, and I mean, Carolina not getting, not clearing the defensive rebound prior to that was big. I hate the fact that you don't feel like Carolina was, I mean, Baycott's saying, to me that will always be the, what if Baycott was 100%. It's like the 95 Stackhouse yeah. tip-off. Yeah. What if Jerry Stackhouse had been full go? What it, if Baycott had been full go? I mean, right, he minute? played that game at 60% at him, you think? I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah. Well, and and again, Kansas won the championship, and they probably were playing the best throughout the tournament. I think Carolina and Kansas were probably playing the yeah. best throughout oh, I, the tournament. Yes. Brady Manick was dealing with some ankle issues. And, and got smacked. Took that huge shot to the head at the beginning. Puff Johnson, who had, I mean, what a performance by Puff Johnson. And then he took a shot to the stomach, and and that clearly, I mean, hampered him. You just hate that the Tar Heels weren't at 100%. And to your point earlier, there was no way they could be 100% after Saturday, just emotionally. And they did a great job of getting as close as they could. And these, I know these sound like excuses, and I don't mean them that way. I, Kansas was a great team deserving of winning the title, just like I think the Tar Heels would have been had they won it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it, it will always just be that little 5% in the back of your mind of going, what if Baycott had been 100%? What if Manic hadn't gotten elbowed in the head for a rebound early in the game? 
I'm going to have that 5% and then I'm going to have 1% that says, you know, Kansas is under investigation right now. I know. So I'll, I'll probably think about that. <laughs> probably more so when the penalties, if they ever come down. Um, but, I mean, the, the players who were on the court, for the most part, that was a very well-played championship game with both sides making crazy shots and playing extremely well. I mean, I, I Carolina had their fifth worst field goal shooting percentage in an NCAA tournament game ever and lost the national championship by three points. If you got any question about the toughness of this year's Tar Heels, that's the only way you keep that game close. How is that even fifth worst ever? I mean, 24 offensive rebounds, 28 second chance points. R.J. Davis had six offensive rebounds. Double-double, career high in rebounds with 12. Baycott had 15 and 15 on one leg. I mean, Adam, as they're – right when I walked into – and Adam and I both had our families there, which was great to be able to experience it with them. Um, the first thing my wife said when I walked in, I said, you know, hey, guys, and everybody was disappointed. She said, you know what, what's going to always be in my mind? And I was like, what, the players being upset after the game? She's like, no. Baycott hopping down the floor. I mean, Adam, he was hopping down the floor just to try and get back. He couldn't He couldn't walk. Well, and that was the most perplexing 10 seconds of the night because it seemed like Kansas wasn't sure what to do. Right. I'm so, they, yeah, they didn't yeah. attack at all because they were in this spot where they were up one and wanted to milk clock, but then they could have gone five on four, which is legal to do because the officials, if the, if the team that – I mean, everybody knows this. If you've got an injured player and the other team has the ball, the officials are going to let the action go and allow them to do their play. But then once Kansas backed it out, it was like the officials were like, oh, I guess we should stop this then. Well, and I couldn't decide if Kansas was like a soccer team that was kicking the ball out of bounds. <laughs> like, were they being so classy? Right. And the officials seemed like they were confused because they knew exactly what you just said. Like, this is standard procedure. But then you could see them thinking, but there's – like a minute left in the national yeah. title game. Do we want this national title game decided on a power play? Right. And Baycott's hopping down the court, and and no one knew how badly hurt he was. It it was it was a surreal ten seconds or so. Yeah, I just if you ever had any question, him sitting there hopping down the floor, and Adam, I mean, we talked about the likability factor, and it, Armando, I mean. It ticks me off, Adam, still even more now that he was an ACC Player of the Year simply because that would have gotten his his jersey up in the rafters, which I'm going to be honest with you, it should be. It, he's had as good a year for an individual big – I mean, pick anybody. Jamison in 98, Hansbrough in 08. I mean, he's right there with all those those guys as far as individual seasons for a big guy. He's right up there. I mean, to me, he goes to the head of the list of players who are not in the rafters who should be. He and Ed Cota would be right there together for me. Tied an NCAA record that was held by David Robinson. David yeah. Robinson is pretty good. First player ever to have six double-doubles in six tournament games. Ever. It feels like a scenario where they're – Maybe there needs to be a new rule. Right, yeah, Hubert Davis may look at these these guidelines and go, hmm, maybe I should find one that we can massage. There's got to be something somewhere. I mean, 
this year needs to put him up there. Now, if he wants to come back and do it again next year, right? That's totally fine. Um, but we're forever going to look back in the history books and go, who was player of the year in 2022 in the ACC? Well, I, it must have been Armando. And then we're going to go, Alondis Williams? And again, I know that always sounds complainy and whiny, but it's nothing to do with Alondis Williams. But Armando Baycott was the best player in the league this year, and he proved it throughout the season, and he certainly cemented it in the postseason. If nothing else, could it lead to a discussion about when that voting should be held? Right. Because it's not Alondis Williams' fault, but Armando Baycott was better. And he was but he had he had one of the best NCAA tournaments any Tar Heels ever had, ever. So uh, disappointing. And it's always hard to lose. It always is. You know, I will say sometimes you leave when you lose, you like really dislike the other team. I don't dislike Kansas. I think they were a good team. They played hard. There's certainly some things out there about Kansas that we know that uh, that will be decided upon in the future. I didn't think it was a game where like there was a lot of showiness or smack talk or whatever. It was two teams that played really hard. I think they seemed to respect one another. I mean, Kansas went up and a um, couple of their guys talked to some of the Tar Heels that were struggling afterwards. Um, Fred Cordelbaum, who was director of ops at Kansas, who used to be an assistant in Carolina, he had a long time with R.J. Davis out on the court who was – who was emotional, and that's easy to do when you win, of course, but you don't have to. Um, I just, you hate that it finished the way it did, but it's hard to leave there being anything other than disappointed but proud. I thought those two teams seemed much more similar and relatable than the two teams that played on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll get to Saturday in just a second. Anything else, Adam, about the championship game itself? I I mean – individual player stock there's not one dude who played for Carolina significant minutes whose stock isn't higher now than when Puff Johnson I mean Adam you can see now Puff Johnson and what he is going to be able to do for the Tar Heels in the future R.J. Davis I mean Adam R.J. Davis's ball handling he I mean I saw somebody now this may be hyperbole I saw somebody online compared to like Kyrie Irving but I mean he is that skilled with the ball. I'm not saying he's as good a player. Please understand me. But he's that skilled with the ball in what he can do. I mean, you can see that kind of gritty New York, and I know that's cliche, but you can see it in him. Caleb Love, who we're going to talk about, obviously, in the Duke recap, did not have a good game against Kansas. But the dude is going to be forever remembered at Carolina for what he did in the Duke game. Brady Manick. Brady Manick is the guy who's going to be able to go to Two college campuses for the rest of his life, and they'll love him there forever. I don't know what the feelings are, Brady Manick, in Norman, Oklahoma, but he will always come to Chapel Hill, and people will absolutely love him forever. Forever. I mean, I, I think all five starters legitimately look in the mirror and go, I just had the best season of my basketball life. Yeah. Well, Leaky Black getting the four fouls hurt Carolina, although I thought Puff Johnson did a very good job on a Um, But Leaky Black, I mean, his... I mean, he again shut down A.J. Griffin in the in the semifinal game. I mean, you're, you're right. All five of them can say that. And it's it's fun to be able to think about the growth for somebody like Puff Johnson and also, I think, for R.J. Davis. I mean, he, I, he just figured out how good he can be. And imagine junior R.J. Davis building off of Final Four R.J. Davis. Yeah. 
So, fourth national title for, for Kansas, sixth time that Carolina has finished as the national runner-up. One thing I do think is dangerous, Adam, is so many people have gone, well, they lost it in 16 and then got there in 17. And yes, that did happen. That is hard to do. It is really hard to do. I think it's happened four times. Duke did it once. Kentucky did it once. And Carolina's done it twice. Where you lost in the championship game, got back the next season and won it. And that might that might not be 100% right, but I think that's right. It's really hard to do. And that's not saying the Tar Heels can't do it. But to just assume that because it happened 81-82 to 82 or 16-17 to 17 or even to a lesser degree losing in the Final Four in 08 and then winning in 09 – it, it's don't just assume that that is something that is going to easily happen because that's not the case. Well, look at the personnel on those right. those two-year time frames that Jones just mentioned and how similar it was. The 16 teams started talking about 17 within 48 hours of the 16 game, if not sooner. And there's just more uncertainty this year, and it's not anybody's fault, but you're just not completely sure of how – 23 is going to look and it I think that's why you started realizing on Monday 2023 Adam good gracious well and I think in the immediate aftermath of Saturday you thought oh well whatever happens Monday is gravy I mean this is great uh not really that stressed out about the title game but as the title game got closer and closer and then especially once it was being played you begin to realize how hard it is to get there and how few opportunities you get to do that. And the fact that it comes with zero guarantees that you'll get to do it again, Carolina could be better next year and not get anywhere close to where they got this year because it's so much about matchups and how are you playing on those particular days and that particular month. And it's, it's so difficult to do. We're brought to you, of course, by our friends at LS Tractor. Don't let your outside chores or projects cause you to miss any Tar Heel game action. Whether you need to mow it, till it, move it, let LS Tractor help make short work of it. Current offer of a freeloader with your purchase of any tractor. Freeloader with a tractor. LSTractorUSA.com to learn more. LS Tractor, now you can do more for less. Adam, I have exciting news couple pieces of exciting news one one small solace i have adam is that i'm going to watch the masters all weekend long you're gonna call me up and be like jones i think we need to get on the grind do some pod work and i'm gonna be like oh hello friends (laughs) i'm busy watching the masters and inevitably when i watch the masters in my headspace I start moving into Goffin Jones, which we all know is pretty amazing. If you need reference to that, just remember a certain tee shot. Over water, 165 yards away, to approximately two inches from the hole. It was pretty good. (laughs) And Adam, that also leads into a terrific fact that with it being springtime again, Adam... Guess who's back? I don't know. Our good friends at Pinehurst. There's more to the Pinehurst Resort than Donald Ross's masterpiece. 
Pinehurst number two. That alone would be good enough. You'd have a world-class course, singular course right there. But there's so much more. There's Gil Hans's stunning redesign of Pinehurst number four. Did that maybe two years ago. You can grab a couple wedges, take the loop around the cradle, the short course. You can unwind at the Pinehurst Brewing Company for craft beers. Classic North Carolina barbecue just down the hill from the fully renovated Manor Inn. Adam's been saying he wants to spend some more time in some hotels. There's never been a better time at the cradle of American golf. Go to Pinehurst.com and plan your visit. My golfing, Adam, transformation is due mostly to the fact that Austin Greaser, former podcast, is going to play yeah. at the Masters. Yeah, I he am is. excited about that. I know. What do you think his his heart rate's probably about what mine was in the second half of the Duke game? It's got to be like 150 beats per minute right now. I feel like that's probably right. It's a little bit of a stressful time. I imagine he's getting a few ticket requests and texts and calls. I hope he I hope he enjoys the experience. Certainly hope that he has uh, quality play as well. But man, what a moment for him! And I you've I mean I'm I know he's played there before, but can you imagine playing there? Like, like in the Masters, thousands of people there. What an awesome experience it's going to be for him. Well, and you've dreamed about doing it, but not when you're 20 or whatever. I mean, I'm sure when he was imagining it, he was like a grizzled 29-year-old strolling <laughs> down the fairways. Adam, our reasonable uh, analysis section of the podcast is now over. The Tar Heels beat Duke 81-77 in the Final Four. Adam, incredible. Incredible game. Wild scene. I mean, Adam, what more could you want? What more could you want? Almost 74,000 people there. A well-played game by both sides. Big shots. Big moments. And it was the Tar Heels that came out on top, ended Duke's season, ended Mike Krzyzewski's career. I, Adam, just an all-time Tar Heel moment, all-time. And I know there's Duke people like, oh, well, you're happier with that. That's what losers talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what an incredible win. Adam, it will be a win, a game that Tar Heels talk about for the rest of their lives. Incredible. I mean, I, this is one of the best nights of my life. It, it was unbelievable. Forget about best games of my life. That, I was just thinking about how happy Adam was. Adam, for this game, Adam was sitting two seats down from me, and he was so happy when the game ended. I mean, we all were, but I, was just, I remember I saw you being happy, and that makes me laugh. That 30 to 60 minutes after the game was over, that must be what it's like to do drugs. It's, it's got to be. There, there's no Adam way. Adam thought about doing some hurricanes. I, I did. I, if you bring me some hurricanes right here to the Superdome, I'll do them right now. I won't even feel it. <laughs> the emotion in that little area of the Superdome, I have never seen anything like that at any event that I have ever been to. No one wanted to leave. They had to force them to leave. And there was 
like within seconds you would see the same person absolutely sobbing and then absolutely just cheering their face off with ecstasy within just pinballing back and forth because they weren't quite sure what to do because it was so fantastic <laughs> but it was also it, it was like i've never seen anything like that ever i definitely hug some people that i have never seen before and probably will never see again but man i loved them right then former podcast the governor hi everybody i'm north carolina governor roy cooper see you later big grits he was a happy man former podcast b dot what's happening i'm b dot the unofficial mascot of tar heel basketball and see you later big grits happy man Former podcast Cam Johnson. I'm Cameron Johnson. See you later, Big Grits. That was a really cool shot of Cam Johnson and Puff after the game. I mean, that, look, Cam Johnson just repeatedly telling him that he was so proud of him. Oh, Adam, so classy. I mean, look at how much that meant to those two. I mean, they Cam Johnson's played in the NBA Finals. Yeah. He never looked like that in the NBA Finals. What? Well, we had Leaky Black. We tried to talk to Leaky Black on the air. It was a little crazy. But I asked him, I said, Leaky, was this more impactful because of who the opponent was? And I think his answer was something along the lines of, like, you know the answer to that. And it was. And Adam, and there is, I mean, the main event was that you won the Final Four game and that you went to the national championship. But there's no doubt that it there was more to it than that. How is there ever a comeback from the Duke side to Tarles beat Mike Krzyzewski in his last game in the Final Four? Well, yeah. How do you come back from that? I like how people are trying to throw shit like, oh, well, it didn't really matter since they didn't win the title. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, that, that's what you can fall back on to make yourself feel better. But not in any way factual. I, uh, we, you know, Adam and I have talked about our families and kids and stuff and yeah, we try to keep, but there is a video of my son after that game where he is just yelling yes at the top of his lungs, <laughs> like repeating, like right when the game ended, he like had, a, he, he put his head down like in his arms and he was sitting next to Mrs. Big Grits in addition to our family and Mrs. Big Grits was like, are you okay? And like thought he was like sobbing. And he was like, I just need a second to compose myself. And then as soon, then it was like he stood up and came to life. <laughs> and he, but he referenced that's, that was it. It was like, you, it was like, it was an overload of emotions for everyone. Well, and I think what has gotten lost a little bit is how absolutely terrible the prior two hours were. It was horrific. At one point coming back from break, I said, is this exciting or is this torture? Well, and Eric said something like, would you have it any other way? And I looked at it, I was like, yes. Yeah. I would have it with the Tarios up by 40. Yeah, I don't want this and at all. Mike Krzyzewski just got thrown out of the game, and so did the entire Duke team, and they had to forfeit. That's how I would have it. I mean, and uh, people need to understand, usually during the breaks of the Tarios Sports Network broadcast, which I know you all listen to on regular radio, not by streaming because that wasn't available, there's some chatter and some talk about what's going on or a play or something. No words. Yeah, I, w- I couldn't say anything. I w- it was hard enough for me to talk about what was happening in the game. And I, th- I think that's part of what came out when it was over. I mean, you, you weren't able to relax until for sure that buzzer sounded 
RJ Davis got that last rebound. I think so, yeah. Keels missed a shot. And like that whole two hours of stress just exploded. That that's the most stressful day of Carolina basketball I can ever remember from wake up, which yeah. I think for most people was like five in the morning because you couldn't sleep. Yes. All the way until that very last play. I legitimately was pacing in my hotel room for a while. I, I didn't want to leave the room, and I would look out the window, and I'd see somebody in a Duke shirt walking down the street, and I'd get all mad that they were there. How dare they come to <laughs> New Orleans and sully my view of the Crescent City with their Duke shirt and their J.J. Reddick jersey. And never seen anything like it, ever. And, Duke, you made it that way. You made it that way with this whole year-long thing. And your documentary, which I want 10 copies of, and I'm going to watch that thing till the tape wears out, it didn't have to be like this. I do think this is totally my opinion. Obviously, Mike Krzyzewski is a smart guy and a good coach. I think he tried hard after that loss in Cameron. I think he, he got it. I do. I do, too. I think he saw that it was causing too much. And he tried to backtrack and he tried to deflect. And I'm not saying, I, I'm saying this as a, like, I think, he I think he finally saw this was hurting his team. And he tried hard, but it was too late. The, the horse was so far out of the barn at that point, there was no going back. And look, <laughs> we've said this before, neither Adam nor I nor any Carolina fan, if they're being honest, is trying to act like Mike Krzyzewski isn't a good coach or shouldn't be applauded for his career of course he should be it was the way that it happened and I do think that after that game in Cameron he saw it but it was way too late there was it, it and it just added it added to it it did that may be callous to say but it absolutely added to the enjoyment for Carolina well we've had to hear about it since last April the whatever that's been the story of the college basketball season. Absolutely. I, I, I have, uh, so there's this thing called the Blue Ribbon Yearbook. You know what it is. It's, it's a great publication. And most people who cover basketball get it because what it does, it has a quality write-up on every single Division One team in the country. And so as a broadcaster, it's very helpful for me, particularly early in the season, if Carolina's playing a, a smaller team that maybe I wouldn't, you know, that you don't know much about or even bigger teams where it just, it gives you kind of a really quality overview of at the beginning of the year, where they are kind of hear the major storylines. It's just a, it's a very easy place to get all this information in one place. The cover of that blue ribbon yearbook this year was Mike Krzyzewski celebrating multiple championships on the front with his teams. Like, <laughs> Like, normally it's it's players from the teams that you think are going to be good that year. So, you know, this year maybe it would have been Drew Timmy and somebody from, from Arizona or something. I don't know. But it was just a giant thing of Mike Shishet. It's That's a small example. But, Adam, it, it was that all year long. It was gratifying to get outside of our bubble a little bit during the NCAA tournament and realize how tired of all this everyone else was, too. Some of the UCLA folks said something about it. Everyone at the Final Four, other than the Duke folks, said something about it. 
about how they just wanted it to be over. And look, the Tar Heels gave some other teams a chance to make it be over, and they couldn't handle it. <laughs> so the Tar Heels went out there and took care of it. Adam, as far as the game itself, I thought Mike Krzyzewski said it well afterwards when he said it, and I said this on the air, and I've said it to you, that he said it was it was a game fitting of the first Carolina Duke game in, in the NCAA tournament and in the Final Four. I, both teams did things to win the game. It's similar to the Kansas game. Yeah, I don't think you. it was just Carolina that made the plays at the end to be able to do it, but both teams um, did things to win the game. I thought a really important stretch was after Duke had scored the first four points of the second half to go up seven. Bancaro had just gotten a big dunk, and the Duke crowd was feeling it. And Love hit a three. Tariel's got to stop. Manic hit a three. Tariel's got to stop. I think then either Love hit two free throws or he hit a, he he hit another three and then two free throws in that stretch as well. And all of a sudden, it was an 11 nothing run, and the Tar Heels had the lead out of nowhere. That, that, that first couple of moments of the second half could have been, I think, an enormous moment for Duke. And it was right on the cusp of being that. And then Carolina got it right back. Again, huge moments there for Love. He had eight of those 11 points in that run. He looked like the guy Theo Pinson said he was last week when we talked to Theo Pinson, who had no idea what he was shooting in the game. Didn't care how many shots he had missed. He had the ball. Wasn't really sure what the score was. It's time for Caleb to shoot it. Boom, it's time for Caleb to make it and change the course of the rest of the game. You mentioned Paolo Bancaro. I think I could put him on my list of of Blue Devils that I don't enjoy watching play. Well, I was just looking down, and I, the two leading scorers for them, Bancaro had 20 and 10, and Keels had 19. I feel very differently about those two players. And I don't, you may not recognize it as much unless you're closer to the court, which Adam and I are lucky to be. There's, Bancaro's just always got something to say. He will remind the dude that he just scored on that he scored. If you miss a free throw, he's going to remind you that you missed it. He does this thing where he waves his hand up at the last second on the free throw line. Which is junior high. Right. And he's an incredibly talented player. There's no doubt about that. Which, side note, I thought Brady Manick did a de- – and I know he finished with 20 and 10. Manick stood toe-to-toe as best he could, blocked a couple shots that I thought were important in the second half. Um, ben Caro. Then there's Keels, who – like, Keels, to me, like, I'm surprised he's at Duke almost. Like, he, he's just a tough dude – I, I would think anyone would want that guy on their team. He he just he seems to hit big shots. Tough guy doesn't seem to talk a lot. Confident. Like they're very they're both very talented players. I understand they're both at Duke. I feel differently about those guys. But I would throw AJ Griffin in the Keels camp. AJ Griffin had the unfortunate circumstances of being guarded by Leaky Black in the last two games. One for seven, zero oh for four from three for Griffin with Black on him. Who also, by the way, had eight points, nine rebounds, six of them offensive, and hit two big three pointers. Not sure why he's a starter for Pat Forty. What, an, what a dumb thing to say. As far on the Bankero thing, I mean, I think forever Brady Manick will have the last words on that. Bang bang, my friend. When did that happen? I have, I have seen that referenced. What? When did that happen? The corner three 
when Manic caught it on the corner and Bancaro drops his hands to point at the out-of-bounds line, which Manic would have been out-of-bounds if he didn't stay on his toes, but he did stay on his toes, and then he shot a three, and it went right in Bancaro's face, and then Brady Manic gave him the salute. I'd buy a shirt of that. I mean, I couldn't wear it in public, but I'd buy it. I would just sit in his house. Yeah, I would. <laughs> He'd just sit in his house with a big smile on his face, like in a chair. Nothing. There'd be no electronics. He would just be sitting there by himself in the shirt, just smiling. I mean, Brady Manick could have not made a shot all season. That could be the only shot he's ever made with that reaction, and he would be an all-time Tar Heel hero. Adam, offensive rebound. I mean, Carolina had 17 of them and 22 second chance points in this game. So another huge factor there. And then, Adam, you got to that that moment down the stretch where it was Keels hit a three for them. Manic hits a three for Carolina. Wendell Moore hits a three for Duke. Duke takes its last timeout. Why did Duke take their timeout so early? Little disgust. They did not use their timeouts well in this game. Well, the one, they took one early in the second half, it seemed to me, just so Mike Krzyzewski could complain to the refs. And that's something he's done before. You don't do it in that game. Yeah, not in the Final Four. This isn't Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, you're not playing Clemson and Cameron Indoor on January 10th. Well, and again, Mike Krzyzewski, all-time great coach, one of the best in ACC history. I thought he misused Mark Williams. I think he got freaked out by the early fouls. Why did they leave uh, your boy Theo John in and get four fouls in the first half? Because Eric called him a sacrificial lamb on there, and he was right. It was like they were saying, whatever, Theo John, you just go out there and foul. We basically have no use for you in the second half. Just go out and do whatever you want in the first half. We don't care. Yeah, you have four fouls. It's fine. But I thought they should have had Mark Williams in more than they did in the second half. Mark Williams, if, if he was at Carolina, he would be a great uh, He'd player. be a beast. He'd be a beast. Now, the Tar Heels already have Armando Baycott, who's just a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but Mark Williams is a game changer, and you could tell in the way Carolina attacked the rim when he was in versus when he was not in that he, he mattered to the Tar Heel offensive game plan. He finished with zero block shots in the two games, the game in Cameron and the game in, uh, in the Final Four. But at least he got to tap his head after he dunked it in the Smith Center that one time. That's right. Uh, so, Adam, you, you go to that stretch. Duke takes his last time. <laughs> Did they slap the floor? <laughs> <laughs> Did they slap the floor? <laughs> Coming out the top. <laughs> and uh, R.J. Davis got fouled, made both free throws. Which, by the way, R.J. Davis... I know we mentioned him some earlier. What a, he he didn't shoot it great in the tournament in total, but man, he's I mean he we know what he did in the Baylor game. He was huge in this game. Six of thirteen from the floor, two of four from three, four of four at the free throw line, makes those two free throws. Tariels are up one. Adam, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be wrong here, some action may have occurred in between those two things. But I think the next thing is when. Baycott got called for his fifth foul. Is that right? Or did something else happen in between there? I think that's right. It's all a haze. And then Mark Williams missed both free throws, which his Hall of Fame head coach mentioned in the uh, postgame press conference. He did mention that, you know, Bancaro missed one too. It was pretty big. So, and again, we may have skipped a little bit of action there. I can't quite remember. But the foul on Baycott, his fifth, 
Williams misses both free throws. Carolina gets the rebound. And then Caleb Love hits that three. And Adam, it was pure Caleb Love. He just, he wanted it. He took it. He made it. And that one shot, and I mean, look, he had 22 points. I mean, the other play, that play where he drove in and Williams was there to block it and he scooped it underneath. I mean, that's, that's a pro move. Caleb Love never has to do anything ever again for Carolina basketball, and people will love him forever for this one game. And he's done plenty, as we know, for the Tar Heels through the last two years. But this one game cemented Caleb Love forever in Carolina basketball history. And that shot. And that picture of the shot. Oh, what a picture. I don't even – I haven't even seen who took yeah, that I don't, picture. I don't know who took it either. Whoever it was did a great job. I didn't realize in real time how close Mark Williams was to Caleb Love. How did he even get that off? But you're right. You could tell, like, you could just look at Caleb Love and you immediately knew Caleb Love is going to shoot this ball. I don't know what's going to happen, but he is definitely going to shoot it. And he made it. And I was excited that he did that. The game wasn't over, though. I mean, so to Duke's credit, Roach then pushed it right up the floor and got a got a basket. But then, Adam, I do think Duke not having any timeouts played a role because they couldn't really set anything up. Carolina got it in easily to Love, who was fouled, and it was a one-on-one, made the first but missed the second. Oh. <laughs> now, thinking back, that was a tense moment because obviously you're in the final seconds here, and if Duke hits a three, it's, it's tied up. Keels got fouled on the floor. Made the basket, but the foul was called on the floor, which the officials, I think, was the right call. And they they had caught – I mean, I think it was Bo Borowski who blew the whistle, and he was pointing to the floor as soon as he blew it. So, I mean, he was making it clear that that was going to be the case. And then Keels made the first, missed the second. Huge box out by Puff Johnson, who was in with Baycott out. He kept Bancaro away from the re- – because the rebound, like, bounced once or twice on the ground. Love picked it up. He was fouled again. Made two free throws to go up four, and then that was it. Duke missed the final shot. Tense. Tense final moments. I've never been less sure of a win up four with nine seconds to go Uh, as I was. Well, were you a little surprised that they didn't foul after they missed it? I mean, there were only like three seconds left. But I was a little surprised that that was just kind of it. Yeah. Well, no timeouts. You can't. Right. You can't tell them what to do. Adam, uh, there's a lot of people have asked about uh, the radio calls of the Duke game. Um, again, not something that we can put out in total, but I thought at least for our, our pod fans, we'll just slip in here. We'll slip in the Caleb Love 3, and we'll slip in the, the end of the game just for you pod fans. We'll keep it up. We'll just keep this between us. If you see Mark Emmert look lurking in your back seat yeah. as you're listening to this, just act casual. Yeah, just be cool. Look, guys, guys, we're about to walk into the concert. There might be some narcs here. I'm not sure. <laughs> Everybody, be cool. Uh, so why don't we'll we'll play those two? I will say, well, let, let's just we'll go ahead. We'll play these two right here. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
About a 15 or 16 second difference. Shot clock and game clock. Heels up one. Cannot hold for the last shot. 33 seconds to go. Love dribbling out on the right sideline. Shot clock down to 12. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away. Here comes Duke. 25 seconds to go. And Mouse goes to Keels. 7.5. Keels forces up a three. No. Rebound. Davis. Two seconds. One second. Ding dong. Duke is done. Carolina is going to go to the national championship. Duke's season is over. And they retire Mike Krzyzewski. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that. How you like them apples? I freaking love them. Eighty-one seventy-seven. They did it. Watch your head, Jack. Watch your head, Jack. So Carolina wins it, eighty-one seventy-seven over the Blue Devils. Adam, you brought up an astute point because I feel like it's going to be difficult for us to conclude the conversation on Carolina Duke without bringing it back to Cascada. I still hear your voice when you sleep next to me. So, in the NCAA tournament, they always do like a little hype video before every game. And in the Final Four, each team gets a little hype video before their starters are announced. They might do it before that, I can't remember. But they definitely do it at the Final Four. And it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a cool, I, well, I shouldn't say, I would assume it's a cool experience for the guys because you get to go and do a bunch of really professional high-end, like, video stuff and, you know, just get to do a bunch of fun stuff and you can look tough or have fun or, you know, whatever you want to do. We've all seen the the outcome of these video shoots. So, I don't, I, they did the Tari one. I, I thought it was pretty good. And then, Adam, they did the Duke one. And in the Duke one, they had band members and cheerleaders there with the Duke players, which I guess in and of itself on face value isn't that ridiculous. But Adam, they played they played it on their hype video. They had poor Trevor Keels doing the thing with his arms <laughs> before the Final Four game. It wasn't. Like Paolo Bancaro staring into the camera looking tough or Trevor Keels like flexing. It was doing the Cascada dance, Adam. Adam sent me a text that said that he thought this was late night on Saturday that he thought perhaps that had cost him five points. <laughs> I mean, don't you think Trevor Keels walked out of that room and was like, hopefully that footage will never <laughs> see the light of day. Me... Doing the Cascada dance that for some reason my head coach did at his retirement press conference and that has really permeated this year, but I thought might have gone away by the time of the Final Four, but here it is again, and they they want me to do that. All right, guys, before we wrap things up really quickly, just that volume, here comes an ad. 
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. So, Tar Heels, what a year. Finished 29-10. and 10, National championship game, 12th appearance. Unfortunately, runners-up for the sixth time. But a run, Adam... That I th- <clears throat> excuse me, I think due to the unexpected nature of it, some of the things we talked about about the connection with the the fans and the players, of course the the two wins over Duke, I'm counting the one at the end of the regular season um it's going to be a a run that'll be this is a seventy seven type of run where there are going to be people who thirty years from now. And Carolina, you know, Tariels could win five national championships between now and then that are going to say, yeah, but that 22 team, that's my team. That This team is going to be people's teams, some people's teams forever. Forever. I do think 77 is the best comparison. I mean, you're going to have to have been here to understand. Yeah. You're going to have to have lived through this year of college basketball and all the extra stuff that Carolina buried single-handedly to fully understand like anyone born after earlier this week will never fully get it yeah there's going to be people like you and me and 50 years ago why are people all on that 70 side right I mean I know it's a great team and got to the championship game but it's just there are these intangible factors to it that unless you live through it it's hard to get and sometimes those are the most fun that's right. I mean, how many times do we get as Carolina fans to be the spoiler in March multiple times? And it's it's just really fun. And it was really fun. What a month. Quick reminder that we're brought to you by UNC Health, dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds and to help keep you in the game and at your very best. See their lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports, unchealthcare.org slash sports. Adam, real quick, just turning the page a little bit and looking ahead. We've referenced a few times. I mean, neither Adam nor I know individual player decisions at this point as far as I think certainly Caleb Love has a decision to make. He has long had professional aspirations. Uh, Armando Baycott has a decision to make. He still has two years of eligibility, actually, but uh, is just a junior um, and has professional aspirations. Uh, Leaky Black has... uh, the, he still has his COVID year of eligibility. I think, though, he has certainly raised his profile and shown that he has a place. I, I mean, is Leaky Black the most consistent offensive player in the world? No, but he's also guarded some dudes who are going to be pros and has shut them down. So I think he's yeah he's got a decision to make. I would assume R.J. Davis would be returning um, just because of his size, but a guy, again, who... I'm sure has desires of professional basketball. Brady Manick, unfortunately, out of uh, eligibility. And then you've got the ever-present transfer portal, Adam, which will, I mean, look, 
Let's just all wrap our heads around the fact that I'm guessing a Tar Heel or two is going to go into the transfer portal. That doesn't mean something bad has happened at Carolina or that Hubert Davis and his staff don't know what they're doing. That it, it just what it is now. And so that I would assume there'd be a player or two that enter that. And I would assume there'd be a player or two coming into Carolina through that transfer portal. Uh, the next three to four weeks, we'll know a lot more about how to feel about Carolina's season next year. If on face value, every player that has eligibility remaining returns, the Tar Heels are going to be really, really, really good. But just don't know, and we'll have to wait and see. And this is a time of year that moves fast. I mean, by yeah. by next week at this time, we could know a lot more. And it's hard to begrudge anybody. I don't. Sometimes people get all upset when people put their name in for draft consideration. That's what you should do. Like yeah. you're you're getting job feedback on your future profession from the people in that profession. In any other job, that would be encouraged and something that would be very valuable. That's something that could be very valuable for for any of the Tariels. So um, we'll have to see who takes advantage of it and who's coming and who's going. Man, if only you could get one more year from Brady Manick. Yeah, what a perfect fit on and off the court for Carolina. He had a career year on the floor. I mean, quite literally, like every stat was his best of his college career. And he just, he brought something different to the locker room. I think that was needed and that fit in. And he, you know, we've said this before, you don't know as well in the transfer portal as you hopefully know in recruiting because you're, the courtship is much, much, much faster. And it just, Adam, I, I can't imagine it working out any better. I, I just don't know how it could. It was a four-day recruitment. Yeah. Four days. I mean, you spend years trying to get somebody to come to Carolina. Hubert Davis and Brady Manick had never spoken, never, I don't think it ever even really thought about each other. And four days later, he was loading up his car to drive across the country to come see the Smith Center for the first time because he had committed here. And it it doesn't work out like that every time, as we know. But it did work out that way this time, and to have had him be part of this, it, it helped make this team what it was. One, I mean, Adam, one year and one day since Hubert Davis got hired. What a whirlwind. Think of how you felt 366 days ago. <laughs> Could you have ever, I mean, you... None of this would have made any sense. Okay, 366 days ago, Jones, Brady Manick's going to be really important. Armando Baycott's going to have probably the best season ever by a Carolina big man, certainly in the discussion for best season ever. Mike Krzyzewski's going to retire. Carolina's going to end his career. Twice. None of that would have even made any sense. But it happened. Okay, a couple things. A reminder, we'll be back on Friday. And I know weird timing. Adam and I were just not physically or emotionally in a place yesterday where we were ready to do this. <laughs> I think we'd have just come in and been like, that was great. Okay, thanks for listening. I still had to get a wheelbarrow just to get Adam in here today. So who knows what would have happened yesterday. Thank goodness I had that LS tractor in my free loader. 
get Adam up in here. Uh, but so back on Friday, again, no guest on Friday. You guys are the guest, essentially. We've gotten some awesome stories of this tournament run. And send them in, carolinainsiderpod at gmail.com. We will do as many as we can. If it turns out to be something that we just can't get all in in one episode, then maybe we'll do kind of like we did with the 82 stuff and, and we'll kind of dabble them in over the next couple of weeks. Um, but that will be the focus on Friday. Will be all of your stories about this run, about this team, uh, how you watch the Duke game, the title game, uh, you know, the Baylor game, whatever. Um, that'll all be coming up on Friday. Uh, we'll probably maybe have a little little Sebastian list or something in there too, and and break it up some. But that that'll be the focus on Friday. We'll be back next week as well with a more traditional show. We'll we'll look a little bit at football. Spring game happens on Saturday, so uh, we'll check that out, of course, and uh, and give you some thoughts on that. Plus, try to get back into a little bit of a routine with the pod. Have some fun shows hopefully coming up soon as well. Okay. Adam, it's hard to pick just one. I mean, I think you got to go Iron Five and Hubert Davis. Do them all. All right. They've earned that right, Jones. <laughs> this, I think for the second time in the last month or so. That's the kind of month it's been. Yeah. We're going to let that Iron Five and Hubert Davis and the RZA get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. I'm Armando Baycott. See you later, Big Grits. <laughs> This is Licky Black. See you later, Big Grits. I'm RJ Davis. See you later, Big Grits. I'm Caleb Love. See you later, Big Grits. I'm Brady Manic. See you later, Big Grits. I'm Hubert Davis. See you later, Big Grits. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for Box of sugar in a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot boiling water salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network.